Michigan State is in a funk. Tom Izzo's bunch dropped their second straight game on Tuesday night. A 70-62 setback to Wisconsin at the Breslin Center. It was a mostly ugly performance in which the Spartans scored just 23 points in the first half. That, combined with a beatdown at Rutgers over the weekend, has the Spartan faithful on edge. Are they right to be concerned, or is this just another classic February slump? We will discuss that, as well as the latest football news, on episode 67 of Live Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion, Kyle Lawson, and Matt Wenzel with you on Wednesday, February 9th, 2022. Appreciate everyone for listening today. Uh, we'll hear from Matt in a moment with the football news. But Kyle, here we go again as the world turns with Michigan State basketball. The fan base is in a panic. Tom Izzo doesn't seem happy with the toughness level of the team. The first words he said last night was it was a poor coaching job. So uh, the bad news flowing in right now. How concerned should Michigan State fans be, do you think? Uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't be overly concerned. I mean, I, I think this is what we kind of thought this team would be, right? Um, is a better team than last year, uh, a solid NCAA tournament team, um, but not really a Big Ten title contender. And I, I think that's, you know, things could certainly change, but through 12 games, that that to me is what they seem to be. And I think, I think we all got a little excited by that start, uh, which was, as we talked about before, schedule-aided. Um, you know, credit to them. They had the big win at Wisconsin, which I think kind of got that going. They look good against Michigan, but, um, you know, these last two games, um, you know, at Rutgers against Wisconsin and then combined with what you're seeing, some teams like Purdue do Illinois, I know they lost to Purdue last night, but it looked good before that, you know, it's just, they're looking more and more like a second tier team in the big 10, which, which is okay. You know, they're, you know, they're better than doing better than Michigan doing better than they were last year. They're going to be in the NCAA tournament, but, um, uh, I, I think the dim hope that this team could compete for a Big Ten title. And they're only two games back. It's not like they're out of the race yet, but they very much look like um, a second-tier Big Ten team at this point. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we've spent a lot of this season talking about, you know, like a top five or six maybe in the Big Ten. But I think it, I think it's becoming clear that there's really a top two uh, yeah. in the league. I mean, Wisconsin's right there with them right now, but and they have a great resume. They have one of the best resumes in the country. They're not as good as their record, though, I don't think. But – no, I agree. And I, I think, you know, when you just the eye test tells me yeah. that Purdue and Illinois are the two two best teams in the mm-hmm. league and seeing that game last night sort of just uh, reinforced that. But with Michigan State, I mean, I think that, you know, they haven't been getting a lot of buzz nationally or, you know, taken seriously as a true contender by a lot of people. And I think that's because the metrics have kind of they've sort of been outperforming their metrics for a lot of the year. Like they've, they've mm-hmm. been ranked higher uh, in the AP polls, but Ken Palm has consistently had them in the twenties. The net has had them close to the twenties. Um, and now I think it's at 26 and 25 last I looked. So like, I think the results are just starting to mirror what we knew about this Michigan state team was that like their ranking was kind of inflated by perhaps the Michigan state name or, you know, a, a, an easier schedule. And now it's sort of just coming back to the mean, what I think is more concerning and Tom Izzo talked about it is like this team doesn't have just like one issue at this point. You know, there's, there's a lot of different things going on uh, that are, that are sort of causing issues from a game to game basis. And you still aren't getting consistent play from enough players. Um, so, I mean, I, there was a lot of issues last night. In my opinion, the point guard play continues to be the biggest one. I don't think it's good enough. And this offense is just looking stagnant. The, the running game's not going to me, it seems like both Hogard and Walker are missing plays and passes they should make. And I, I mean, Tom wasn't calling them out by name in the press conference last night, but it was pretty clear he wasn't happy with the point guards. 
No, and Tyson Walker is my bigger concern there. Um, I thought A.J. Hogarth had a bad first half, and I thought he played better after halftime. I think he ended up with seven assists. Um, He was the better of the two. Um, Tyson Walker, um, you know, last four games – uh, has more turnovers than assists. Um, just seems to kind of get into these funks where he'll have a turnover or two and just, you know, he's out of the game. You know, he started the second half last night, um, had a turnover early, uh, missed two shots and got taken out for like, I think 10 or 12 minutes um, at that point. And what wasn't really a factor after halftime. And I, I asked, I asked Tom Israel about him afterwards and he said, Oh, I got to look at the tape. To, to evaluate him, which is not something Israel says, which kind of tells me that I think he, I think he knows what he thinks about Tyson Walker's play, but uh, isn't saying it publicly um, for his sake. So, um, because I, I think anybody watching can see that it, it hasn't been a good stretch for him. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's still, it's, I still, I guess I still question, is this a bad stretch for him or is, is this still a struggle to, assimilate into the big 10 and to get used to big 10. I mean, I, I think Wisconsin, one, one of the comments that Thomas Joe did make last night is that Wisconsin was getting into him um, defensively um, and playing physical with him. Cause he's a smaller guy. He's not used to the big 10 and, you know, you, you wonder if that's going to be the book on him, you know, push him around a little bit. He, he's not going to, he's going to be thrown off his game. He's not going to be able to do much. Um, and if that's, if that's going to be the case, it's, it's going to be a long rest of the season for him. And um, Hogard is, you know, still very hot and cold. Um, I think he's been the better of the two, but they really need both those guys humming. I think, um, I don't think either of those guys have what it takes to really be your, you know, you lead go to play 30, 35 minutes a game guard. Um, they need both those guys humming. Um, and, and to me, Tyson Walker is the one that's a little bit farther away right now. Yeah. I mean, it was just hard for last night. I mean, credit Wisconsin, they did a good job, but I mean, if you look at their point guard play, I mean, Chucky Hepburn played 30 minutes, 11 points, three assists, no, no turnovers. And I thought mm-hmm. he played an all around outstanding game. And that had something to do with, with Wisconsin's or uh, Michigan state struggles at the point guard position, uh, just because I thought he played really well, but I guess the the concern could be like, you know, Tom Izzo talking about the toughness and how he hasn't had to really harp on that with a lot of Michigan state teams. I mean, they get out rebounded 31 to 20 at Rutgers. They did out rebound Wisconsin, but to his, to his point, you know, you watch the game and you see these key moments when these rebounds just need to be come up with. And instead it's like tap, tap up in the air, volleyball style. And then two guys come down with it and it ricochets off their hands. And it's just like, I don't even know how to like talk about this anymore, Kyle. And I, I'm, I'm getting frustrated, like talking about this team because it just seems like from a game to game basis, nothing is consistent except for these weird turnovers. Like, and it, it's just weird with the rebounding because so many times it just bounces off their hands. It's like they, they got butter on their hands. I mean, that, that's what it looks like. Well, they lost the game last night with about eight minutes left. They had just gotten to with one, within one on the Joey Hauser put back and they lost back to back rebounds just like you said like they had it they had two guys there and just you know whoop out of bounds um and johnny davis made them pay he had a three-pointer off one of those he hit uh i can't remember free throws or a bucket but he got five points off those two um got them back up um and they had two turnovers then too and that that was pretty much the game to me so yeah it's it's been weird though because like they were 12 turnovers last night. Yeah, some weird ones, but that's, you know, you can win a game with 12 turnovers, obviously. Uh, won the rebounding battle. Uh, maybe wasn't as good as you thought, but, um, you know, they just couldn't score last night. But mm. so it's, you know, that night you couldn't score, you know, against Rutgers, they couldn't play defense. They let them shoot 60%. Before that, we we're talking all about the, 
the turnover and the rebounding and they were defending and, and scoring well, you know? So it's, it, I can honestly say, I think the last four games, it's been really the last three because they played well against Michigan, but Maryland, um, Rutgers and Wisconsin, it's pretty much been three different things. And it's like, mm-hmm. how, how do you, how do you coach that? You know, if it's like whack-a-mole um, with these different yeah. issues coming up with the team, like it'd be, it'd be, I guess it'd be frustrating still, but it'd be simpler if it was one thing, you know, but when you're totally inconsistent in different ways, every game, it's, you know, I, I wouldn't want to be coaching them right now. Cause I wouldn't even know where to begin. Yeah. I mean, Tom's get, being really hard on himself, you know, cause he doesn't want to call out his kids like in the media and stuff. And I, I think that's the right move. You Sometimes know, he, he doesn't. Sometimes he's very happy. Yeah. But this well, time he certain doesn't. players. Yeah. Right. Certain players he will, but like, I don't know. I guess he doesn't want to like kick them when they're down right now, but he did make sort of the snide comment that like someone asked him, you know, what, what can you do to get this team more tougher? And, and he's like, well, you're not allowed. You can't, you get, you hurt people's feelings when you do that stuff these days. So like he's, uh, I'm not sure he really knows what to do, but he's obviously taking the blame. Uh, but it is a, it is a concern with, with this team that you just don't like how long we've been talking all year about them, not having a star. And at the start of the year, it looked like that was okay. Right. It looked like mm-hmm. that was going to be a, a helpful because you had different guys stepping up at different moments. But as, as they've gotten into the meat of this big 10 schedule, I think it becomes more and more apparent that, not having that guy that can just go get you a bucket. I think Malik Hall is the closest thing they have to mm-hmm. that. But not having that like star, I think it's really starting to hurt them because y- you see when the half court gets stagnant, when they don't have the running game going and the point guards aren't playing. Uh, I mean, it, it was just downright ugly at times last night when you didn't guys would get the ball and you just didn't know who was going to get get a shot. I mean, Hall and Bingham were the only guys last night that could consistently uh, get buckets. And even that was shoddy at times because of constant lineup changes. Like I, think I saw a stat, he said like 43 different lineup combinations over the last two games. Like it's February. Aren't we supposed to be trimming this rotation, Kyle? Like what, what are we doing here? So th- this is what I'm writing about tomorrow. And I've been thinking about this a lot today. So <laughs> they went at Wisconsin, right? Do, do you, you remember how they won at Wisconsin? They got 43 bench points. They had, I think five guys in double figures, three of which were off the bench and all the talk afterwards, including I'm sure on this podcast was, Oh, the depth won in the game. Great depth. You know, um, <laughs> Gabe Brown went one for seven, um, but they were able to overcome that with Malik Hall and other guys. Um, but then, you know, you flash forward in this one and the depth I think was a hindrance and they needed a dude with about seven minutes left to take over. And they didn't have one because like you said, there were, you know, different guys taking different shots. They're not running the, the offense through anybody. So I, I see it as a double-edged sword. Like there's games where it seems like it's a real attribute and there's games. It seems like it's real hindrance. Um, mm-hmm. Last night, um, the game was up in the air and Johnny Davis said, I'm going to go win this game. And he did. Mm-hmm. He scored, I think, like 12 points down the stretch. Um, everyone knew he was taking the shots um, and and he made the plays he needed to. And Michigan State didn't have one of those guys. And yet at the same time, I think Wisconsin has also been hurt at times because it's too reliant on Johnny Davis. And if you've got one guy, that's great sometimes. But if that guy's not hitting, then you're in real trouble. And I, I think the upside for Michigan State has been you can have, you know, for a while, Gabe Bond was shooting very poorly and they were still managing to win because other guys were doing it. So it's like, like there's pluses and minuses to each approach to me. Um, and you can convince me that, um, um, that this is overall a negative. Um, but you know, this is what they are at this point. Like I, I don't see anybody, I mean, maybe Malik Hall, but like, I just don't see anybody at this point in the year, like really taking over and being like, I'm the guy, like they have to figure out how to make it work. 
um, with what they have. And to me, the easy answer is to just give it to Malik Hall on the stretch. Um, and, and Israel said they tried to do that. He pointed to the stretch with like five minutes left where Tyson Walker got the ball on the yeah. fast break and dribbled into like eight dudes. And, and just, I think he said one on 15. One on 15, he said. He actually went back. <laughs> I was just watching that play before this. He actually ended up kicking it out of bounds. Um, yeah. But he's like, he's like, he was literally dribbling to the bench to try to call a timeout. And Tom was like, I was setting up a play from Willie Call in that timeout. And they didn't get to the timeout because Dustin Walker turned it over beforehand, which is apt for this, you know, how the season's gone. But yeah, I mean, that, that's to me, that's what you got to do. I mean, you thought, you know, if you'd asked us in late December, I'm sure we'd have been talking about Gabe Brown. Like I, Gabe Brown is what he is. I don't think he's becoming like a late game killer, you know, at this point. Mm-hmm. I think he's a little too limited in, in creating his own shot. So um, I, I think you got to look to Malik Hall, but also kind of accept that you're kind of a team with a bunch of similar parts and, and, and try to make that work the best you can. Like you did at Wisconsin a couple of weeks ago. And that's probably why he's being so, you know, I mean, Tom Izzo is always, he's never been afraid to use his bench and sub guys in and out, but maybe that's why you're seeing this constant rotation. He's just trying to find five guys in a mix that can, that can play consistently <laughs> over the course of a Gickens hall, uh, like uh, Christie and Hauser, I think is what the lineup was. It was a small ball lineup. And then he brought, and that was their most consistent offensive stretch of the game was in the second half. But then Hogard started, you know, doing his roadrunner routine and just getting mm-hmm. crazy and jacking up step back threes. And so that kind of got derailed, but at least the offense was flowing a little bit. And then Gabe Brown, Marcus Bingham come back in the game and the offense stagnates again. I mean, Gabe Brown, like you said, he, he's basically a two-trick pony at this point. I mean, he's he's knocked down the three in transition or he's drive the basket on a dunk. He, he really can't seem to get around screens or to get yeah. an open look. And Christy struggled with it last night, too. Um, but he's a true freshman. So, you know, you kind of expect that. I thought they had good energy from Jaden Akins again. I think mm-hmm. he needs to play more. And, you know, Hauser has been pretty consistent over the last few games. Um, but he, he doesn't seem to like to play Hauser Hall together unless it's small ball. So, I mean, a lot of people want Malik Hall to start. People think Malik Hall need to be playing like 30 minutes a game. I don't know if he can do that, um, but he, he does seem like the guy that's going to give him give them consistent offense just because of his diverse repertoire on the offensive end. It's hard because they, to me, two of their best players are just at the same position right now. So, like, yeah. <laughs> if, if, if you want to tell me Malik Hall should get you know, 26, 27 minutes a game. I don't know about 30, but um, more than he's getting. Sure. Yeah, I'll buy that. Where is it coming from, though? Because um, contrary to popular belief, sometimes I think Joey Howard has given this team a lot um, um, and his, his rebounding, better defender. He's a better Malik Hall shoots pretty well from three, but I think Joey Howard is the better threat overall. You, you got to guard him um, all the way out to there. So it's like, yeah, where where does it come from? You know, there's only 40 minutes at the four. Um, you mentioned you can do a little bit, but like, you know, I, I still don't think you want to be doing a ton of joy joy at the five um, to get yeah. both of them with them at the same time. So it's it's just a bit of a log jam, you know, because if you play him 30 minutes, I, I think you need more than 10 minutes a game from Joey Hauser. So, um, and I don't really, I mean, the lineups, you know, whatever. Um, I don't think that's a it's worth talking about that much. Um, I mean, we've seen enough games where Malik Hall plays the last, you know, eight minutes of the game in crunch time. Um, I don't think it matters that much. Yeah. I don't think it matters. The start. Um, yeah. But like, like, yeah, I mean, I listen, you can convince me of some tweaks like that a little bit more for, um, for him, you know, a little bit more like, like a little bit more Marcus Bingham in the second half. Um, you can convince me that pick, 
and they've done this at times, you know, like in, in a close game, you get a lineup that's working, just go with it and don't make any subs for a while. You know, they could be doing that at times, but it's like, at the same time, it's like, you kind of get why they're, it's a little disjointed because there's so many similar guys. Um, it, it, like it, you can't look at this team and be like, there's your best three guys. They got to be in 30 minutes a game. Like <laughs> what day of the week is it? Kyle? Right. <laughs> their best guys can be any one of nine different dudes on any given night. So like, I'm not defending it totally. I think there can be improvements made, but the roster is such that I think it lends to this. If that makes sense. I mean, Max Christie's playing 31 minutes a game. So, I mean, it's not like there's not anyone on the roster that isn't playing that much. You know, yeah. I don't know if, if he just has a better uh, motor, maybe. I mean, Millie calls a little bigger guy. So maybe that, you know, it's, I don't know. I, it's just this team is weird, Kyle. It's getting hard for me to sort of sit here and talk about on the podcast because I feel like we're talking about different things every episode. And it's just kind of like, I don't know. Like, I, what do you see as the ceiling of this team? I've maintained Sweet 16, but I, I mean, maybe you feel differently. They just feel like a good but flawed team. No, they, they, yeah, that, that's um, sweet 16. Like, yeah, maybe you get the right matchup. You know, you're pulling upset, upset. El- yeah. elite eight. Um, listen, I've covered, I've covered a Michigan state final four team worse than this one, um, which would be the 2015 team. So um, not going to, not going to totally rule that out obviously. And because they could get hot, but um, you know, it's like going back to what you were talking about at the beginning, like the lack of like, this team not being talked about a whole lot. I think it's kind of just a lack of star power. You know, there's not an NBA draft pick um, probably um, on this team for next year, at least think Max Christie in future years, maybe. Um, Well, not maybe probably, Um, but you know, they just, most teams that are going deep in the tournament have, you know, a couple of dudes, you know, a couple of, you know, if they're not, um, if they're not first round draft picks, then they're, they're your veteran, all big 10 caliber guys. And, you know, you can go up and down. Obviously the big 10 this year has a ton of star power, whether it's Johnny Davis last night, Brad Davison, um, you know, Purdue, uh, Jaden Ivey's playing great. Illinois is Kofi Keegan Murray. America, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Andre Corbello, you know, Ohio state. Um, so, yeah. so, you know, I, I, teams like the, the way Michigan State is built this way can win, but it just feels like in March, more often than not, you, you ha- your teams that are going deep have one or two of those dudes, you know. You know, look back to past Michigan State. It's it's, Cave, it's Xavier and uh, Cassius, you know, the, the, those yeah. types of duos. And I, I guess I'd hoped for their sake that by this time, like you'd have that kind of emerge out of this group of seven or eight guys, two of them kind of emerge, and it, it just really hasn't happened. Yeah. And, and especially if you don't, I mean, if you don't have an elite player at the point guard or the center in yeah. college basketball, that's where it gets real dicey because we've seen super talented teams. I mean, look at Kentucky last year, for example, just loaded on like with, with talented players, but they couldn't get competent point guard play. They missed the tournament. I mean, it's St. Michigan State. But, you know, yeah. And then look at what they did this year and they're really good, you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it, it really does feel like Michigan State is a piece a star away from being a really, really good mm-hmm. basketball team. I mean, they, you know, I, I hate to go down this road, but imagine if Imani Bates is on this team, you know, uh, I mean, mm-hmm. we've seen what he is for Memphis, maybe not a star, but I don't know, like things maybe are differently if he's in Michigan state system, who knows? But I mean, like, I guess I, that maybe that's a bad example. Maybe I shouldn't mention the, those, those, that swear word on this podcast. I actually <laughs> was thinking about that last night watching the game and I just could not envision where he is on that team on the floor. I don't, I don't know why I just could not, I just could not see it. 
I just it, that's just me. Yeah, I mean, maybe that was a bad example, but you you get my point. Maybe j- just like somebody who's averaging 16 a game, you know, like yeah. somebody who you can give the ball to and have them get a rock. I mean, it really does feel like this team is one piece away. And, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to watch. I mean, I don't think that, you know, Michigan State fans, we have a tendency to panic because we're very spoiled. We have been watching one of the best programs in America for two decades. And when when things, you know, they're, they're what? What are they? What's the record now, Kyle? 17 and six or? I told you I were bringing uh, up Ken Palm before because I always need Ken Palm during this. Uh, yeah. 17 and six, eight and four. Yeah. And we're acting like the sky is falling here. But I mean, I guess that's that's the standard that Michigan State basketball has set for himself. And, and Tom is clearly not happy right now. So I do think that it's, it's OK to, you know, wonder what where this team is going to go from here, because it seems to be trending in the wrong direction. But again, we've seen these February swoons before that have, you know, changed with one big win. And that 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 could start with Indiana on Saturday. I mean, Indiana, they lost to Northwestern last night. They're on a two game losing streak of their own. I think they had five guys, including Tamar Bates and Christian Lander and Xavier Johnson, all out for suspension uh, mm-hmm. against Northwestern last night. So we're not going to really know if those guys are going to be back coming into Saturday. Um, but, you know, I, I would bet guys. I would bet they are. But I don't know. I guess you're right. We don't know. Yeah. I mean, but it uh, Woodson, I think, said after the game, their coach, Mike Woodson, said he wasn't sure if it was just going to be a one game thing. So maybe that's keeping him his cards uh, close to the best yeah. there. But either way, it feels like a couple desperate teams. And when you're the home team in this situation, you got to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> They'll step out. I mean, they, look, look, they've got Indiana at home at Penn State coming up. Like, like to me, that's a that's a good as close to a get right stretch as you're going to have before you really kind of hit a meat grinder here, which is Illinois, Iowa, Purdue at Michigan at Ohio Ooh. State, um, Maryland. Yeah, like that. That's a tough. That's a pretty tough stretch. So, um, I you know. There's no must-win games at this point, but it's like you you get two more wins. You're sitting at 19 wins there. Um, I I was looking at the ESPN bubble thing. Like they're not counting them all the way in yet. Like like they're going to get into the tournament, but um, the, you know you you'll feel a lot better when you get a couple more wins. Let's just put it that way. Um, but um, so you know Indiana, Penn State, both pretty winnable, especially if Indiana um doesn't have some guys. Um. And then, you know, then you're at 10 and four in the big 10 and, and you get what you can out of the last week, but you're in, you're in good shape anyway, um, with the last two weeks, I should say. So, um, that, that's kind of where I see him right now. Um, obviously, you know, those last two games, you would have thought they'd win at least, you know, one or both of those two, but, um, that's the big 10. Like, like we haven't talked about Rutgers much because it's the press game, but like, like Rutgers is not bad, you know, like they were losing earlier because they, they, uh, they wouldn't have Geo Baker, but like they, they're going to be beating some teams, I think here down the stretch. Oh, especially at the rack. I mean, yeah. like that that's that place is I mean, and I wasn't focusing too much on that because like Michigan State actually played pretty well in the first half of that game. They were only down two. I think they put up 38 points. Uh, obviously, Rutgers ran away with it in the second half. But, you know, that was a, that was just a case. At least I chalked it up to, you know, a team, a desperate team playing a home game on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. They've got special jerseys on, you know, Michigan State. And we see this a lot, especially in Michigan State's prime years where they are a lot of team Super Bowl, right? Like t-shirt games, uh, big, you know, special jerseys because Michigan State has been, you know, the class of the conference for a long time now. And it's big when they roll into town and you're going to get team's best shot in that situation. And Rutgers was just on one on Saturday, especially in the second half. So I wasn't, I, it kind of felt like a run into a buzzsaw situation. 
uh, there. So I wasn't like as concerned about it then, but I don't know. This performance against Wisconsin just felt a little bit more disheartening because it felt like they were getting out tough at times, like Tom said. And, and there was just a lot of things that just looked bad, like just from the eye test. It just looked gross. And, no, I, yeah. you know, so that's that's just kind of why I was a little bit more disheartened by that loss. But it, it is still just mid-February and there's a lot of season left. It's weird to say the, the eight-point loss to the top 15 team was more disheartening than the 21-point loss to the unranked and um, it's how ba- I feel, barely though. above 500. No, and, and you're right, and I completely agree with you, and I can tell you Izzo agrees with you too because, um, yeah, like like Izzo was like, yeah, we lost by eight. It felt like we lost by a lot more than eight um, because, you know, I, I can't remember them – their offense looking that bad um, for as long as it did. I mean, maybe that first half against Illinois is really the only last year. Half that was just of, the norm. Yeah. <laughs> last year. And just like the total lack of like being and like, they missed some good shots. I mean, I've, I mean, I feel like a handful of bunnies around the hoop they missed, but like overall just consistently not being able to generate high quality shots and, and Wisconsin plays good defense, but um, it, it's going back to the point guard. I, I feel like a lot of, you know, these talking points we go to kind of come back to point guard play eventually. Um, and just the fact that they're going to need some more out of those guys and they're going to need more consistency um, than, than they've gotten from him and, and figure out Tyson Walker. Yeah. I mean, that's why I live with it. Cause that's, that's what I, I mean, just watching the game, it feels like they need better play out of those guys. So, I mean, we saw Max Christie playing point for a little bit, you know, Jay Nathan was, was a point guard in high school, yeah. but you know, he's, he's obviously hasn't practiced there at a D one level. They like him off the ball. That's pretty clear, but yeah, I mean, it, it is certainly a concern, but from a fan standpoint, I think maybe just a little bit, you know, check your expectations. This team, you know, those fans who thought maybe they were actually a Big Ten title contender, I mean, they're not out of it, but I think we can kind of see that they're a tier below the top teams in the Big Ten. So um, I think just focus on the process and focus towards March um, because the team, it's not an issue of talent. There's no elite talent on the team, but like the sum of their parts should be good enough to win more games than not. So uh, I think that's where the frustration lies for Izzo because he knows he has a lot of good parts, but the puzzle just hasn't quite come together uh, outside of maybe one or two games so far this year. Yeah. And like, I don't know, I, I guess my, I, I shouldn't be surprised by this because he's what always happens when they lose, but like a, a lot, a lot of Izzo questioning in the mentions, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, I, I, I guess I, my feeling is just like, if you watch this team, like this is what they are. They play a lot of guys and they have a lot of different lineup combinations and there's usually not a whole lot of continuity. And, but there's positives to all that, you know, which is what you get. Um, but it's just when it goes wrong and, you know, everyone just sees, you know, the negatives and we need, um, we need more consistency. We need this, we need that. Like, I don't know, like, like this is, this is the system and this is the way that they've chosen to play here. Um, and it's got positives and it's got negatives. Um, and yeah, maybe the negatives look a little more, more amplified when you're losing like this, but, um, this whole, you know, scrap the system, go with seven guys like that. That's, that's just not going to happen. You know, it's just not the yeah. way they do things there. Yeah, I mean, you've been people saying that they know they've been watching college. They've been watching this program for for a long time. I mean, they know how Tom Izzo operates, so we can't try and fundamentally change what he's going to do. Although I do think it is fair to question some minute uh, distribution or not, but he he obviously knows more than any of us. So, I mean, I'm not trying to act like that, but uh, so tough stretch right now for the basketball team. Uh, Still a lot of season left here and there. It's uh, at least they're not fighting for their bubble lives. Uh, like last year uh, or the school down the road. So, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it, you just got to stay the course here with this team. It's going to be a wild ride ups and downs. We've seen it all year. Um, but, you know, 
one one good performance uh you come out and you play well against indiana you know things can shoot back in the other direction we've seen it uh several times this year so we'll stay on top of the hoops uh coverage kyle's got some stories up on m live today uh reacting to the game and tom's comments and like i said indiana at home this weekend i think it's a 330 tip i believe it's on fox uh but let's get to uh yeah, a little football, a little ABC 330. Yeah, what's <laughs> up with that? Uh, 3.30, that is a weird time to start. I'm, I'm not sure I've ever played done a 3.30 basketball game. Yeah, so first yeah, time that's for a football time for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. let's get to football, though. Uh, Matt is here. Um, so not a ton of news lately, Matt, but a uh, couple couple commits for the 2023 class. And uh, uh, Mel seems to, you know, he, he promised they were going to be in on more battles in the 2023 cycle. Uh, early signs are that perhaps he was right. Yeah, I mean, I think when we recorded last week, um, they just got the commitment previously that day from Jonathan Slack, the offensive lineman from Detroit, uh, Martin Luther King. And then that evening, um, last Wednesday, they got one from Andrew DePape, who is a 2023 four-star defensive lineman from Iowa. I think this would kind of fit <laughs> that definition of a battle that you might not see have seen Michigan State in before. It's just because I mean, you get a highly ranked kid from Iowa who picks up an offer from Iowa. It seems like they usually stay in Iowa, right? I mean, he had the Iowa, he had the Iowa state offer. He had an offer from Michigan, you know, some, some other good ones, but like, it just seems like it, that wouldn't be, you know, like the kid stays in state. So, um, you know, they got him on campus uh, a couple weekends ago when the, you know, the same weekend of the Michigan game, basketball game. And, you know, that was apparently enough to sway him. I think that Brandon Jordan influence would be obvious there. I mean, you bring in a coach with um, the experience working with high end, you know, some of the the best pass rushers in the NFL. And I can see how that can be intriguing to a kid. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's interesting. You know, this kid is ranked uh, 133rd in the nation, uh, according to the 24-7 sports composite. That would be the highest ranked Michigan State hasn't signed. Tucker hasn't signed a kid ranked that high. Um, in either of his first two classes. So, um, yeah, obviously there's, you know, the momentum you would expect coming off of, you know, the 11 and two season and the success that Mel and, and the program had and, and the kids see it. And I think this is, you know, this is what he intended on doing. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, he also got a commitment on Monday from Bo Edmondson, who's a 2023 three-star quarterback from Lake Travis high school in Austin, Texas. So that's a, you know, a major, you, you always want to get the quarterback locked up. Um, this kid was also on campus the same weekend uh, as Pape, um, and he said that Mel tried to get him to commit on the spot, uh, but he went home and took a you know a little bit of time to think about it before making his decision. But yeah, like you, know, you always want to get the quarterback in the class. You know, I think it helps to obviously have them recruit for you. You go out and and, and you know the running backs and the wide receivers in particular want to know who they're going to potentially be catching the ball from in the future. So to have a guy in the fold is obviously a big deal. And then keep your eyes on um, Dante Moore, who's, you know, still die in Michigan state. will still recruit him. He's a 23 five-star quarterback from, from King. Um, he's the one who was at basketball practice. Uh, and Izzo took the time to stop and take a picture with him. So yeah, uh, how that would all shake out, how, how where will Michigan state really be in the running at, you know, late, um, for Dante Moore, I, I don't know. We'll have to see. Obviously, somebody they want, but for now, if if your if your quarterback board is is Moore and then Edmondson 
and you can get a commitment from Edmondson in in February. Yeah, I think I think you take it. Um, so um, they have the, the as the he's, yeah the, as the buildings of, of a strong class, say the least. Yeah, I mean he's two four seven composite has Edmondson as the twenty one ranked quarterback in the country. I mean, obviously like Travis, like I don't even follow you know high school football. Uh, that well, but I know about Lake Travis. I mean, they are a football powerhouse yeah, in six A in Texas. <laughs> yeah, six A Texas football powerhouse. And I watched some of his some of his tape. I was impressed by his ability to sort of stand in under pressure and deliver an accurate throw. That was the one thing that sort of stood out uh, to me with him. I mean, he's he's six three, so I mean, he can sort of he's got a good good uh, height to see over that line. But I was impressed by his throws under duress, and he was obviously going up against really strong competition uh, in Texas six A football and. Uh, I was getting the Dante Moore stuff too. Like, you know, oh, does this mean that they're out on more? Does this mean they won't take Dante Moore? I'm like, if the five star in state quarterback wants to come to Michigan State, you'll take him. I mean, you're gonna you'll take two quarterbacks if necessary. Uh, but I mean, again, I still think it's it's it's, it's a five star quarterback that Michigan State probably has a better chance at than they have other guys in the past. But because he's an in state kid and he seems into it, but that's a that's a recruiting battle that you know. I saw he was down in Miami the other day and he's tweeting that stuff. I mean, that is a battle that would be pretty crazy to win if that did happen. Yeah. I mean, this is, it's a battle that Michigan state doesn't win. Let's be honest. They don't, they're not really even usually in those battles late and, and they don't win them really because yeah, Jeff just Smoker a, was the last five. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it's just, that's, I mean, what it, it ends up being, if you go by like the, the composite, there ends up being like what 30 some five-star kids every cycle. I mean, there's only so many of them and, and, Half of them go to Ohio State or uh, Alabama and, you know, Bama. Clemson and a and Everybody went to A&M this cycle. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough. You know, it's a tough battle. But I was at, geez, it was the, so it was the, was it two days after the dead period finally ended this summer in June? And Michigan State coaches went up to uh, Ferris State for that camp. And Mel was there and, and most of the staff was there. And Dante Moore was over there throwing and Jay Johnson was, very much paying attention to it, very much being making it clear he was being seen. And the same with Mel, he was standing there. So, I mean, yeah, this is, I, I don't know what his timeline is for making a decision. Um, and obviously this stuff is all very fluid, but uh, you get him on campus and been watching some basketball practice, getting posing for a photo with Tom Mizzo. I, I don't think that could hurt. And obviously very, very early in the 2023 cycle, but Michigan state, you know, with the, with the five commits is at number five in the country right now, which is obviously not sustainable, but fun to see if you're a Michigan state fan, you know, just for the time being. Yeah. The rankings and it's this early are completely worthless. Um, it's Come just on, way, too, Don't it's on the way, it's way too, what do you can, if you want, if you, if you want encouragement in the class, you'd say, all right, there's five commits, four of them are three of them are four stars. All of them are ranked in the top 450 in the nation. That's, that's an, obviously a good sign for Michigan State, and you don't need to worry about the rankings until you don't need to worry about the rankings ever. I mean, it's a nice thing to have if, if you, you know, what did they, whatever they were, 21st or whatever in the 2022 class, whatever it was. But, you know, you, you, that, that stuff doesn't pan out until years down the road, really. And nowadays it's even weirder with, you know, the portal. I mean, Mark D'Antonio got to the college football playoff with a class in the thirties or whatever. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, player <it's>... development. 
Um, you know, it's just it's just something fun to watch. But I mean, they are definitely uh, seem to be like in the conversation with some more four stars uh, in the class, though. I mean, there's there's other guys out there that seem to be considering Michigan State, but obviously very early. So you can't get get too worked up about the ranking. But um, Mel did promise to be in more battles in, in the 2023 class. And so far, I mean, with an average rating of 90. Uh, he seems to be doing that. But again, long way to go uh, in the cycle. It is only February. So we just had the normal national signing day. So long way to go uh, until this class will be finalized. And as we've seen in this era of college basketball or college football, things change a lot. Matt, we did get one question about the offensive line. Some of the younger offensive line guys. Uh, this person mentions Boyd, Baldwin, Wigginton, Geno Vandemark and Fincher with high expectations. Is it reasonable to expect some of them to break through this year as productive contributors? He also says that, do they need to get someone in the portal? So it's kind of like a, a two, two prong question there. Vandemark was the four star came in uh, last year. So he would seem to be the one that I think that had the highest lift, uh, at least to be in a backup role. But how do you see the all line depth coming into the season? They have some veterans coming back. I mean, of those, what were they? One, two, three, four, five, five guys that were at, that were named in the question. None of them have played a snap in college. Um, right. That said, you're probably going to need them to start <laughs> doing something here. I mean, you, so you look at the offensive line from last year, um, our Curry's gone, Matt Allen's gone, Kevin Jarvis is gone. So you're losing three starters right there. And you know, uh, Campbell's gone too, even though he was more of a you know role player down the stretch and didn't play much in the later part of the season. James Ohamba and Jacob Asaya transferred out. Uh, what you got coming back is Horst at left tackle, DePlain, your starting left guard. Nick Say Mackle slide in, start at center. You know, he's been there. You know, he's been one and two. Matt and Allen, him and Allen have been one and two for the last couple of years. Um, it gets a little dicier on the right side. So Blake Buter, it, you know, he he's coming back, apparently. Um, at least that's what he tweeted. Uh, wait, no, am I thinking of no, it's Carrick. Carrick. Carrick's the one yeah. coming back. Buter's the one we don't know about. Sorry, I'm confusing my interior offensive lineman for a second there. So how that works out, you know, we'll see. But, you know, both those guys have a bunch of experience. Um, both are versatile. They can play multiple spots. And then at right tackle, uh, with Jarvis being gone, you know, Spencer Brown got to start in the Peach Bowl. And he's a younger guy that I think they they like. And he's just been kind of one of those guys you've been waiting to see him break through. And obviously they thought highly enough of him. I thought he did fine in the Peach Bowl. So right now you really, if you look at it, you think there's, what, four spots that are locked up, five if you slot in Carrick or Buter in that right guard spot. And, you know, if it works out that way. After that, I mean, it's the guys that, that were asked above in the question pretty much. You know, I mean, somebody's going to have to fill the two deep. And then do they go into the portal for anybody? So they've really only got – if you do the numbers, they've got potentially two more scholarship guys they can sign. Um, but that you got to make it work out with the scholarships that you have on the roster, you know, not going over, which by my count right now they are over. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they pull a guy out of the portal. There was one guy they were in from uh, – was the Ivy League guy? He committed to Penn State. Cornell isn't Cornell in the Ivy league. <laughs> well, yeah, but I'm saying that's where he came yeah, from. Yeah. I, I couldn't remember the school. I was just thinking of the office and uh, Andy. So, and uh, yeah, so he went, he committed to Penn state, but I, you know, I think there's another guy or two that they're potentially looking at. Um, but yeah, I mean, bottom line is you can't, you can't make this all about the portal. These sooner or later, these guys you recruited are going to have to come in and play. It's that's just, right. It, it can't recruit an entire offensive line out of the portal. Um, although if anybody did, I guess Mel would be the guy that would try and pull it off. So 
<laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting, but I mean, they've got spring camp to figure all that out. Go ahead, Kyle. Sorry. I was going to say, if you if you fired up this podcast today, hoping for a mid-February discussion of offensive line depth, you, you got it, baby. <laughs> all you. Absolutely. We Don't are worry. comprehensive. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll be getting more into that uh, in the... What should be uh, what next week or so? I got my I got my spring position by position stuff that's about to kick off, so I, I'll get yeah. really deep in the weeds. Just wait till I get into the specialists at the end. Yeah, I can't wait till we get long snapper corner with Matt Wenzel. Oh, yeah. That's my favorite. Yeah. We long snapper Special, you. Baby. I have not gotten my special teams update in a while, so I'm, I'm okay. Well, I'll, I'll 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 have it for you. A lot of concern <laughs> in kicker. Don't have anything much. Don't know much there. We we're, they should be set at punter, and uh, yeah, we'll keep you updated on that. All right. Yeah. And plenty of time for that. I mean, obviously spring practice is uh, still a little bit of ways here, but we'll have that soon. And that'll maybe give us a little bit of a hint of where the depth start depth charts stand. Hopefully we get a real game this year. That would be nice. Uh, to yeah, I think get, they get will. Out of that. I think, yeah. I think the only reason they didn't have it, that there was the open spring practice was because they did not have the, the linebackers and the, and the cornerbacks that they needed. And Melod, you know, basically before I remember having to call and the zoom call and asking him about the format, like, is it, what have you done before? He's like, no, we've done the spring game in the past, pretty much everywhere he's been. He's like, this was just the best format for, you know, what we had available. So they just, they had more, remember Kyle, didn't they have more quarterbacks dressed than linebackers for the. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. They had like like three or three linebackers dressed. Yeah. It was something like, yeah, it was just, you know, the portal depth. Yeah. That was just the effect, but I would expect to see more of a spring game this year, but who knows? Mel could just still do an open practice format like he did for the meet the Spartans. Well, regardless, we'll stay on top of it, um, and obviously on top of basketball as as the up and up and downs continue the roller coaster that is Michigan State basketball this year. Saturday is the next opportunity uh, for them to end up in the positive. So uh, keep the faith, Spartan Nation. Like uh, you could just gotta in time we trust. That's what I always say uh, when we get down, or we I shouldn't say we, but when Michigan State gets down in times like this. Uh, I mean, Tom Izzo usually figures it out. So we, you just got to keep the faith. Uh, it's, it is only February. So a lot of season to go. Um, and there's still a lot to play for. So we'll stay on top of it. That's going to do it for today's episode of the Spartan Confidential Podcast. Again, if you could give us a rating or review or check out our work at MLive.com slash Spartans. Uh, happy to answer questions if you got them as well. So appreciate everyone for listening. And for Kyle Austin and Matt Wenzel, I'm Brandon Champion. Thank you once again for listening to MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Oh, great.